Buzz. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, guys. Certainly eventful, busy day yesterday. Um, chasing this story. Um, uh, where do you start? Uh, Jack Whiten's 30th birthday. They go to a pub called Walsh's at uh, Queen Bien. All his friends, his family, his Canberra Raiders teammates, Coach Ricky Stewart. Most of them left the party at midnight. Um, Latrell, Jack White and a few of the players kicked on to Friction's nightclub in, in the, the Civic area in Canberra. And I guess before we go into the story, you, you, you've got to wonder why million-dollar football players should be in nightclubs at 3am in February when um, they're so deep into their uh, pre-season preparation. Um, that's not to say police haven't rea- overreacted here with the with the arrest, but um, I just don't think they should have put themselves in that position uh, with so much drama. The the face of the game, Latrell, um, being seen in graphic TV footage or CCTV footage, being arrested and, and after fighting his great mate, Jack Whiten. Is it right, though, Buzz, that it was a muck around between two mates? Look, I quoted Matt Rose, their manager, Laurie, in the paper today, and they these two are as close as any two footballers in the NRL, especially ones from rival clubs. And to give you an idea of how close their relationship is, and I wrote about this this morning, um, Latrell was concerned about going on the Kangaroo Tour, the World Cup Tour to England last year. He, he does get homesick, and... He loves his farm at Taree. And it was only that Jack Whiten was going and he basically had one of his brothers, you could say, or his besties in the side that convinced him to go to England with the Australian team. And look, Matt Rose explained to me yesterday that there's a little bit of rivalry between the two of them. One, they both think they're stronger than each other. Whenever they get together and have a few beers, they'll have a wrestle to prove it. This time, they'd had too much to drink. It got a little bit out of hand, but the eyewitnesses I've spoken to have said it was an overreaction by the police and, um, uh, you know, into the circumstances of the arrest particularly. But, um, yeah, we're left with this. But, But the bottom line is, footy players shouldn't be wrestling in nightclubs, friendly or not, at 3.45am, Lauren? No, no, I, I, I agree with you there. I agree with you there, and I'm certainly not making any accusations or you know, yeah. saying that that uh, it, it didn't happen or the police overreacted. I'm just trying to f- sort of figure out yeah, yeah. what they're doing <laughs> there at that time of the morning. Uh, why did the friendly banter happen and, you know, why... Yeah, yeah. Well, why it all sort of unfolded the way it has, because... Yeah, look, you know. I, I've spoken to South and I've spoken to Matt Rose about this and whether there will be some sort of complaint lodged with the ACT police or when the two boys go to court in a fortnight's time before round one of the competition. And they both told me that Jack and Latrell will more likely be showing remorse when they turn up in court. They understand they've brought um, untimely and in, in embarrassing headlines to rugby league on the eve of the season. And they're, they're dirty on themselves for putting them, you know, for putting themselves in that position. 
Um, that's not to say, and there were so many eyewitnesses I saw on the Channel 7 report last night, including the manager of the hotel, who were critical of the way police handled it. I can tell you, and the story's just about to go online at the Daily Telegraph, this could have been so much worse. Have you guys seen the Channel 7 video? And there's yep. about four police have Latrell on the ground. Mm. He's yelling out, my shoulder, my shoulder. Well, that was while they were trying to handcuff him while he was on the ground. And it was so serious that South Sydney's club doctor, Dr Andrew McDonald, had to visit Luttrell at his home last night just to check it out, to check it was okay. He thinks it is. They're pretty confident it's not going to stop him playing for the All-Stars this weekend if he does make the trip to New Zealand. They're convinced it won't stop him playing um, round one of the competition. However, physios will be monitoring it. And if it does get any worse, we'll have to have scans later in the week. Now, that's the part I'm talking about, about million-dollar footballers being in nightclubs at that time of the morning and just putting themselves in awkward, dangerous positions where this could have been a lot worse and he could have been hurt. How do you prove it was in the police arrest that he did hurt his shoulder? How do we know it wasn't while he was wrestling with Jack? They're both aggressive. Mm. They're both super competitive. So it's a really, really unfortunate story. Um, you know, my view is footy players get an eight-week off-season. And, and look, I, I, I'm not mm. dirty on them having a beer, but they do get an eight-week off-season. That's the time they party, but this close to the start of the year, I think they... Do you expect you know, them to be they, fine, though, Buzz? Um, I don't know, Laurie. Yeah. I, look, I, I think being on page one, being on every bulletin, news bulletin today, um, on television, what I think will happen is the two players will make statements. They'll apologise for what they've done. They will appear in court and cop their medicine and then everyone will move on. I think the integrity unit, which jumped straight onto the case when we broke the story at the Telegraph yesterday, they will have to dot their I's and cross their T's and do a proper investigation and, and wait until there's a hearing. There's no suggestion either player will be stood down under the no-fault um, stand-down policy. But as I said, it's just unsettling. And look, I spoke to Ricky Stewart yesterday. And look, and he was quite tight-lipped about it because it is the subject of, you know, legal action or court action. And Ricky was at the pub and it was a wonderful, wonderful night. And Jack, as you know, is such a popular player and he's really done a lot of growing up in the last few years. But Ricky had to leave a little bit earlier but he knows the security very well at the Walsh's Hotel in Queanbeyan. And he even rang security around midnight just to check everything was okay. And he was told by security, yeah, they're just wrapping up now and they're they're all going home. And But not knowing that a couple of the boys were going to go into town, into uh, the nightclub. It, it's a remarkable story that these two guys would spend the evening in a police cell <laughs> after fighting each other, 
get up, go back to Jack Whiten's home, have breakfast together, no doubt with a bit of explaining to do with their partners. And then, yeah, it's it's just an incredible story. You've written in the paper today as well, Buzz, about, uh, well, the NRL potentially seeking uh, plenty of cash for selling the grand final off. Do you think this is a real possibility of leaving Sydney? Well, I don't think we'll find out until after the state election, Meadow, because Chris Menz, um I had the opportunity to have breakfast with Chris last week and just to get his views on sport in, in Sydney and New South Wales and, and um, the elections on mid-March. And I think... Both leaders at this stage with nurses, teachers, education, flood victims needing more immediate funding um, will not be announcing $500 million spends on suburban grounds or roofs over Acor Stadium. What has lit the NRL up is that the A-League marched in last December and got $15 million to host off destinations New South Wales to host grand finals in Sydney for the next three years. And I think, as I've written this morning, outside of the dwindling numbers of A-League soccer fans, I don't think there's a huge interest in their grand finals. I don't think it's going to stir up the economy. I don't think it's going to fill hotel rooms, restaurants, bars, taxis. Whereas an NRL grand final brings in tens of thousands of fans from the bush, from interstate, and it's a huge tourism boost. And Chris Menz is of the opinion that we're too reluctant just to rely on the Opera House, the Harbour, Taronga Park Zoo and New Barangaroot, you know, to get our tourism into Sydney. So Peter Volandis is very, very strong in his views that the government have got to pay up. And anything... If the A-League are getting $5 million a year, the NRL's worth four times that. So whether this $500 million, a 25-year deal, comes to the NRL via cash, which I very much doubt, or a guarantee to fund suburban grounds, fix Brookvale, fix Shark Park, fix Leichhardt, Campbelltown, Belmore, I have serious concerns about whether the game will stay in Sydney and we could get a Super Bowl type situation where the game will be put up to bids from the various states to take our showpiece match out of Sydney. It would be an absolute disaster if it happened. Melbourne are actually destroying us with the sport that they have. They have the Australian Open, Grand Prix, AFL Grand Final, Boxing Day Test, Melbourne Cup. Well, we got three A-League grand finals, please. Mm. Uh, Buzz, you do know you, what I'm talking yeah, about? I, I, yeah, I do. do. Do you see it like uh, up for the highest bidder and every year the NRL grand final, if this happens, uh, being placed in different states and possibly a different country like New Zealand? Or do you think well, it will be you know, one every four years or something like that? Yeah, Laurie, it's too early to determine. I think once the election's over and either leader is put into power for, what, three or four years, I think they will then be in a position, not this year, but the year after, to do a deal with the NRL. 
last year a deal was done at the very last minute for $8 million from the government to the NRL to... Uh, but this player dispute has shown us some people and his right. And the game needs to make more investments and they've got to get commercial with their major events. In the old days, Origin was New South Wales get two games, Queensland get one. Next year, Queensland get two, New South Wales get one. Then Adelaide, Perth, Melbourne started throwing in huge, huge bucks and it became a national event. Huge TV ratings around the country. Huge crowds, sellouts around the country. Rugby league has grown up a lot in the last decade as a national sport. And we could even get a Perth team next as the 18th side. So to answer your question, I can see it going as I said, like a Super Bowl and played in various states at different times. I don't want it to happen. Mm. Peter Volandi says in McCollum this morning that he favours keeping the match at its traditional home. But, Laurie, they've got to do something in return. The government, you can't just have it. Um, did, I don't think it's right that 100,000 or 83,000 fans pay 500 bucks for a ticket and go and get rained on at Acol, like the Elton John concert at, the other night at, at Arlene's. I think that venue needs a roof. I think Brookvale needs to be refurbished. Mm. So, and I think the leaders have got to put it higher up on their priorities. I can understand teachers are overworked, nurses are over. This, their, their funding plans at the moment are understandable, but eventually they've got to get round. If they want to keep the grand final here, if they want to benefit from the tourism it brings to the city, they've got to do something about it. Yeah, I think a lot of league people would agree. Where's Clarky yeah. today, guys? Got I'm just off. waiting to get a word in, Buzz. You're on fire at the moment. <laughs> oh, I'm just listening and learning, off. listening and learning. Oh, yeah. What's happened with Cameron week. Munster? Is he going to be Melbourne skipper? Well, there was a really nice story over the weekend. And look, one of the uh, most incredible interviews I've ever done was with Cameron Munster 18 months ago in Melbourne. He spoke very openly about his gambling problems, his mm. alcohol problems. And look, he's since settled down with his partner. He's, he's got a young film. There's a story over the weekend that Cameron wants to be... He's always avoided leadership groups because he's never been confident about being in a leadership group. He didn't think that he was setting the right sort of example for, for younger players coming into the club, and he was probably in more strife than any other Melbourne Storm player. And there was the white powder drama when they were in um, in Queensland that, uh, that got him into a lot of strife. So, look, he wants to take the next step now. And um, as I said, he's a young father, and he's uh, he had a great World Cup. He's... Uh, very, very strong season for Melbourne Storm. I think Laurie agrees in the top three players in the game, but he wants to go that. And, and Melbourne Storm have lost Jesse, Jesse Bromwich and, and so much of their leadership in uh, recent years with Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater going. And he's grown up, and I think it's a great aspiration for him to have to, to, to want to take on a, a big role like that. I read with interest in the paper this morning, Buzz, who's this young Canterbury star that's looking to get out? Yeah, look, I didn't know him this morning, but I will now. There's a young fellow who's 21 years of age, and he played for Lebanon at the World Cup. 
and he's a halfback, he's a five-eight, or he can play fullback. He's a really, really talented kid. His name is Khaled Rajan. Played a lot of New South Wales Cup last year, but has had a very, very good off-season. And a couple of the club, a couple of clubs have been eyeing him off. Now he didn't make the Bulldogs. 30-man NRL squad. Two reasons. Oh, there's a couple of handy players that kept him out. Gus went and signed the boy from the Broncos and paid a $500,000 transfer fee for him last week. And Josh Reynolds was on a train and trial contract. He might be 33 years of age, but they think he's got a bit to offer the Bulldogs this year as one of their leaders. So there wasn't a position in the roster for this young fella. I'm told the Sydney Roosters and possibly the Cronulla Sharks are ready to pounce. It's, I guess it's a disappointing one where... But you can only fit 30 players into a squad, can't you? And who am I to question Gus and Cameron Serraldo when they determine their final 30? Um, they've decided to go with Reynolds at... at you know, people could possibly look at that from the outside and say, geez, it cost us a young player. But, you know, I'm told Josh has had a very good off-season. Their company is going to be a contributor. And the kid from Brisbane is supposed to be a superstar. So, uh, But it's difficult, isn't it, when mm. some of your best young talent... And look, he, he was pretty good, they tell me, for Lebanon, the World Cup, in a, in a side that was obviously hopelessly outclassed and... The fact that he can play a number of positions, 5'8", fullback. Cronulla have lost young Dykes for the year. Lockie Miller at Newcastle. He might be handy in the Shire, the beautiful Shire. Buds, we'll have to leave it there, mate. Thanks so much. Have a good week. Yeah, thank you, guys. Cheers now.